Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Crossbone, and we're so fortunate to have two wonderful guests from Huntsman Mental Health Institute to help us launch into a month dedicated to helping us improve and take care of our mental health and to save lives. It is Suicide Prevention Month throughout September. Joining us today is Dr. Kristen Francis. She's a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist with Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Dr. Francis, thank you so much for being our guest. Well, thank you for having me. It's our honor and a privilege, and we'll tap into your expertise throughout the interview. Also joining us is Rachel Lusinski. She is the business operation manager over crisis services with Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And we're going to be talking about crisis services provided uh, by the Mental Health Institute as well. Rachel, thank you for being a part of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and it's interesting, as I have learned more about suicide prevention, one of the biggest myths that was dispelled was that the more that we talk about suicide, the more likely it is to happen. And when I learned that that was a fallacy, that we as as, as individuals and neighbors and friends and community members need to talk about suicide, we actually save lives. And I wanted just to start on that as we kick off Suicide Prevention Week. Dr. Francis is talking about it, a healthy thing for our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really important for young people and their parents or the adults around them to be having ongoing dialogues about um, you know, what's happening around them, uh, what they're thinking about, what they're seeing things about uh, on TV or what they're uh, seeing on social media, um, talking to each other, uh, adult-to-adult conversations obviously look different than adult-to-child or adult-to-teen conversations, um, but it's, it's a great and high thing to be doing. It was really exciting for me as a community member to see the Huntsman Mental Health Institute uh, be formed to be granted so much more additional resources and energy behind giving mental health support. Rachel, as someone who's been so involved um, over the crisis services, can you help us understand about how suicide is preventable? Because I think people feel... um, they often feel like, I'm not an expert. What is it I could do? Do we need special training to be someone who could help prevent the suicide in, in, in our loved one's lives? Those are great questions. Um, there, there is not special training that's needed to make an impact and to save someone's life. Um, like Dr. Francis mentioned, but paying attention and watching for signs and having conversations is the first step and the most important thing that anyone can do. Um, there certainly is a lot of stigma around talking about mental health challenges 
And it, it's a scary topic um, to talk about suicide or, or worry that a loved one in your life um, might be contemplating that. So really the most important thing that anyone can do is ask, um, you know, are you, there are simple ways you can start the conversation of, hey, this might sound weird, but have you had thoughts of suicide? Or, you know, I, it seems like you're having a rough time. Are you doing okay? That really helps people feel seen and cared about and like you're a safe space to start the conversation. Of course, there are limitations to what the average person can do um, once something is escalated to uh thoughts of suicide being confirmed. And that's really where our crisis services can um, come in and, and provide wonderful support. We have 24-7, uh, 365 days a year, experts who are trained in mental health services and crisis de-escalation and response that can provide that ongoing expert level of support. Uh, those include things like the Utah Statewide Crisis Line, which can be accessed at 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifelines number. We also have a warm line where folks can call in seven days a week and talk to certified peer specialists who have had their own challenges with mental health issues and can really talk about what it's like from a, a place of empathy and understanding. Um, we also have our Safety app, which is a smartphone application that can be downloaded for students, K-12 and higher education, as well as parents and administrators. We also have mobile crisis out outreach teams, which can respond in person in the community uh, to provide real-time support if someone's really struggling or in a crisis situation. And I'm so appreciative that you shared those resources. Uh, you mentioned the Utah Crisis Line, the national line, is the phone number one 800 273 8255, uh, the Safe Utah app, and the Utah Warm Line. In other words, if like if you're struggling and you need a listening ear, you could call 1-833-SPEAK-UTAH, or UT, I should say, 1-833-SPEAK-UTAH. You know, Dr. Francis, thank you, Rachel, by the way. Dr. Francis, how much of an issue or a worry is suicide in Utah? Yeah, so I can't agree more that you know, just in a dialogue and asking is so smart and great. Um, we have seen improvements in communication among the school districts um, with young people. Uh, if you go to schools, you'll see the Safe UT app ads advertised, which is great. But it is it is a big deal still in Utah. Uh, it, it, you know, our suicide rates... Um, are concerning, and um, we really work hard to prevent, you know, any life lost. And so, especially when we look at young people, young people are are wonderful. Like they're impulsive, they're fun, they're they're daring. Um, they also feel feelings really strongly and don't have a lot of life experience to know that sometimes those feelings come and go and don't last forever. And so. Uh, big events that trigger big feelings can sometimes cause really impulsive behavior that can, you know, result in suicide completion. And so we really want to start uh, educating kids from an early age that b big feelings come, they can be tolerated, um, the adults in your life are here to help you get through them, and that taking your life is never an option. Um, so that's a big message that we like to get out 
here at our hospital. In addition to, um, there's a whole separate group of young people who are experiencing the biologic illness of major depressive disorder um, or bipolar disorder um, and may have suicidal ideation as a component of that. Um, and those we also are, are trying really hard uh, with suicide education prevention. You know, as as you mentioned that, and you use the term suicidal ideation. Sadly, I had to yeah. I had to learn what that meant when uh, about six years ago, my neighbor who I saw grow up and get ready to graduate from high school uh, when she took her life, and and I had no idea that for a couple of years she had been thinking about ending her life. That's suicide ideation. And and that feeling of, oh, if I had known, if I had known to ask those questions, if I had known to, uh, to you know, and, and those are those things as, we, as you're sharing that is being open to asking the question, how are you? This has been very big for you. Have you thought about uh, suicide um, and and then letting them know we have help and support for you. I was looking at some of the statistics, uh, Dr. Francis and Rachel, and for those who've just joined us, we're uh, talking to two experts from the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Dr. Kristen Francis is a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist at HMHI. We also have Rachel Lisinski, who is over the crisis services at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. But I was looking at some of the stats, and it was really quite daunting because we have a ways to go to provide that support. 40% of Utah's depressed youth, so these are children or teens, let's say, between the ages of 12 to 17, 40% of them who were depressed did not receive treatment for depression. That's almost half, you know, that's just so many struggling who did not get help. And, And we look at adults, more than half of adults in Utah, who have mental illness, did not receive mental health treatment or counseling. I'm assuming, uh, Dr. Francis, that is why the Huntsman Mental Health Institute has ramped up like it has to help provide that support. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yep. We are, are one of our biggest, uh, if not the biggest, commitments is definitely towards our community, supporting our community members, um, helping destigmatize discussion of mental health. I mean, if you look at the news, right, like look at the Olympics, you know, mental health spares no one. And it is a conversation that everyone should have about just like we do about physical health. You know, how is your mental well-being, especially with the pandemic? You know, the new normal is to feel off, to feel somewhat down or even bad at times. I mean, this is a strain on people. And so even more important is to be communicating. And and Huntsman's outreach, um, you know, we had so many of these services in place prior to the pandemic, and we've only increased our efforts since, uh, especially with all of our new funding. I wanted to also tap in, you know, Rachel, and both of you um, talked about asking those kind of crucial questions and um, being aware of kind of the signs. Can we talk for a bit at what are we watching for in, in our loved ones' lives, teens. And again, this is just not an, an issue for just teenagers. It's for adults as well. Suicide, though, is the leading cause of death for Utahns ages 10 to 24. As you mentioned, the immaturity, the lack of experience, the impulsivity. So how, how what are we watching for? Yep, absolutely. So, so this is a question we get asked a lot, and I'm really happy to be able to 
And parents and adults, you know, who, who are raising children, they, they know their children well. And I want them to look for changes in behavior. So specifically changes in intake or appetite or eating, how they're eating, how they're sleeping, um, how well they're showering, taking care of themselves. So if, if someone who, you know, before appearance was always important and it's no longer important and they're going to school um, with kind of dirty hair or they're not really caring about their clothes, um, they're not looking well, that's a really big sign in young people. Um, sleep is huge. So kids are having a really hard time getting up for school when they normally, you know, it's hard for all kids to get up out for school, but a particularly hard time sleeping more, coming home from school, taking more naps, not um not being able to fall asleep sometimes is, is another big sign for kids. Kids waking up a lot throughout the night. So when you get up in the morning and you see evidence that your child was up, uh, that's really important to note. Um, also, schoolwork, school performance, how they're doing. If they've previously, uh, you know, done okay, but now they're not doing well any longer, um, that's really important. So any change from their baseline. Um, also, not wanting to hang out with their friends. Young people, like, basically should have their lives centered around their friends. That's normal. That's developmentally appropriate. Um, they're learning how to be people in the world, and that's through social connections. So if those social connections aren't seeming important anymore, if they don't want to do their sports, if they don't want to go hang out, if they're, you know, not texting and calling – those are other signs that are really worrisome. So those are the behaviors that you can observe in addition to things like any new marks on your child, like if they started cutting or injuries that you don't know how they happened. Um, and also just if your child seems more quiet, um, more subdued, if they look down, sad, depressed, if they're talking about feelings of sadness that don't seem to go away, don't seem situation dependent, don't seem to have easier solutions in terms of things that you can try and, and help to see if that improves it. Those are all signs that they need more expertise, um, more support. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the more support, Rachel, I know that at the crisis services, you mentioned uh, there are phone calls, there are people on the other end of the phone, there are text lines, there are apps where people can reach out and connect with others. And is is there other obstacles to reaching out for help that we need to be sensitive to? In other words, is, is there a way we can build bridges that would make it easier for people to place those calls or to, you know, send that text so that it's I'm, if they're depressed, it feels like they would be even more feeling unworthy to make those calls. How can we help encourage people in our lives to feel comfortable? Like that is a a basic thing. If we had a hemorrhage from our nose, we would go right into Instacare. If we are, if we're hemorrhaging emotionally, this is what we do. How do we, how do we address that, Rachel? That's such a great point uh, that we talk about regularly in the mental health field, which is mental health is physical health. And, and you wouldn't, fix a broken bone at home by yourself, you would seek expert help and support. Um, And so the same should be done if someone's struggling or dealing with these overwhelming feelings. Um, Like we've talked about, there there still is a lot of stigma or misperception that something is fatally wrong with with a person, like it's a character flaw if they're having mental health challenges. 
um, or that they don't feel worthy of help or support or love. And so really having open conversations that it, it's okay not to be okay. It's very normal to have challenges in life feel overwhelming and affect someone's perception of themselves or their willingness or ability to seek help. So having those conversations openly and as much as possible without any judgment or feelings of guilt or shame around it, um, just normalizing the conversations and even sharing sometimes personal challenges are helpful for people. Uh, something as simple as, hey, you know, I, I went through a, a relationship change last year and that was really hard and I I was down on myself and it was hard to reach out for help. I'm seeing XYZ in you. I, I know you just went through a job loss or, or had a relationship loss um, and I can imagine how hard that must be. How are you doing? Can I help you with anything? Um, sometimes it really is the, the scariest thing that a person can do is pick up the phone and, and dial the number for the crisis line or send that first text asking for help. And so even being there with someone and saying, why don't we call together and see what this is like and know that you're not alone. Um, like Dr. Francis mentioned, not just children, but humans in general, we're, we're such social creatures and we really need those relationships and, and social connections to feel accepted and part of our community. And so not being um, not feeling like you're isolated and alone and the only person going through a hard time can be really helpful and empowering for someone and create a lot of hope in them. I, I think uh, Dr. Francis's warning signs that she talked about are so important for people to be educated on and know to look out for. And that's another critical part, too, is not just reducing the stigma around talking about mental health and seeking support, but really better understanding it so that when we recognize the signs, uh, we can have those conversations in a supportive and non-judgmental way and connect people uh, to the help and, and resources that they need. Um, one other really extremely beneficial resource is liveonutah.org. And Live On is the state's national suicide prevention and awareness campaign. So there are a lot of fabulous resources on the website that talk about getting help if you're struggling yourself, um, how to give help if you notice that a friend or family member is going through a difficult time, how to get involved in local um, events or, or community meetings, and additional resources like how to create a safety plan or contact information for crisis services and other mental health services. And that's wonderful. The the resources live on utah.org. And I would invite everyone who's listening to go to that now, live on utah.org. It will make you feel more comfortable to have those conversations. It'll make you feel a little bit more informed about what resources are out there. And I'll just share from a very personal experience that a very close loved one of mine who deals with chronic depression, who has felt suicidal at times, Often, they don't believe that they're going to get better. They don't believe it's worth getting better because there's so much distorted and hurtful thoughts in them. And the image you gave, Rachel, of sitting beside someone and saying, let's make this call together. Let's look at this website together. May I help you call a psychiatrist? May I help you reach out to the Huntsman Mental Health Institute? May I help with that? And sitting there with them and helping to lift 
that emotional is so powerful because they do feel so alone. So I, I appreciate so much what both of you have shared. We have about five minutes together. And for those who've just tuned in, we're talking to Dr. Kristen Francis, who is a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist with Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And Rachel Lisinski, she is the business operations manager over crisis services at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And Rachel had mentioned that there are crisis lines that are open 24 hours a day all year long that you can call at 1-800-273-8255. If you just need a conversation, you can call the Utah Warm Line at 1-833-SPEAK-UT. You can always go on to liveonutah.org. But Dr. Francis, can you give us a big picture of the services that the Huntsman Mental Health Institute is providing as it tries to help Utah with uh, its mental health challenges and healing. Oh, I would love to. So we have all levels of care for young people and during uh, and adults as well. But during the pandemic, I think the coolest thing is that psychiatry um, at the University of Utah has not had to close any service lines, meaning we didn't have to reschedule things. We didn't have to say, look, I'm sorry, we can't have you come we can't have you see a doctor or a psychologist or therapist. We've been able to make ways of having everything stay open, um, which is so great. So we have outpatient services for both children, youth, adults, um, where they can go and see a provider. You can do this in person um, in some locations. You can do it virtually in almost all locations, which is so cool. We can do testing even um, for uh, any big conditions that might need some something called neuropsychologic testing, uh, kind of testing for ADHD, testing for mood disorders. Um, we also uh, have inpatient services. So uh, we have um, just over 66 uh, youth beds and um, a myriad of adult beds as well. We're a huge psychiatric freestanding facility. Uh, so we can take uh, children ages three to 18 inpatient in the hospital. That average stays about seven days. Um, and during that time, they're seen daily by a psychiatrist and then um, multiple times a week by a psychologist uh, for individual therapy, family therapy. Then we also have something called a day treatment program, which is basically school plus a little bit of hospital. So they come every day from like eight to four um, and do um, part of the day is therapeutic work, part of the day is schoolwork, and that's about a six- to eight-week program, um, and that's called Teen Scope. So we have that here. Uh, in addition, we have 24-7 crisis services available in-house. We take walk-ins uh, We uh, for youth and adults where you can see a professional and they can help determine if you meet criteria to come in the hospital or if you would better be served of our outpatient or day treatment programs. So we have a ton of resources in addition to all the, the mobile crisis unit um, that can come out to your house and de-escalate de or calm down some situation that's happening um, and also all of our, our phone lines and our texting lines. Which is just a phenomenal resource for the community. Rachel, I, I, as Dr. Francis was mentioning those services, she was talking about being able to access the crisis services, walk-ins. Where, what is the easiest or the best, most effective way for someone to reach out and tap into crisis services that are within the Huntsman Mental Health Institute? 
It really depends on on folks' comfort level and what their preferred method of of seeking help and support is. So for many people, picking up the phone and dialing that Utah crisis line number is the best way. Um, We also have a a local number available uh, that can reach our team as well, which is 801-587-3000. That connects right into the Utah crisis line like that 1-800 Two seven three eight two five five number, and so folks can call in twenty four seven. It's confidential services at no cost, and can start the conversation with a certified crisis worker um, to really outline what their challenges are, uh, what things they've tried in the past, and we have a very highly trained, compassionate team that can provide wonderful recommendations based on if the caller is um, asking about help for themselves or for a loved one. Um, we can even help look up uh, based on insurance coverage, uh, resources that are available that could fit someone's financial situation, or our our, uh, many options that are available at no cost, which include our mobile crisis outreach teams, our crisis line, our warm line, as well as the SafeUT app. Um, For students and youth, we definitely recognize that texting and and being on their phones is the preferred method Mm -hmm. of communication. And so highly recommend downloading the SafeUT app, even if you don't need it yourself. Um, it's really wonderful to have on your phone so that if an issue comes up or you have a concern about a friend, uh, it's available already on your phone to start a, start a conversation with our master's level uh, mental health clinicians that staff that service. Even for parents, educators, people who maybe don't know um, how to have conversations or what the right next step is, our team's always available to provide recommendations and work through any situation um, for any size crisis. So, uh, again, text or call, whatever is preferred, or visit liveonutah.org as a a consolidated place. Um, Since we know numbers, all of these numbers can be tough to remember. Um, But there there are people 24-7 Uh, day or night who really care and want to provide that help and support. And I love how easy it is to remember that as well. LiveOnUtah.org. Rachel Lazinski with the Crisis Services at Huntsman Mental Health Institute and Dr. Kristen Francis, a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Thank you for joining us and, and giving us the information and the encouragement and the resources we need as we dedicate this month to um, being compassionate and understanding and responding to mental health needs of those in our life and, and preventing suicide together. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.